The really staggering Christian claim is that Jesus of Nazareth was God made man, that the second person of the Godhead became the second man, determining human destiny, the second representative head of the race, and that he took humanity without loss of deity so that Jesus of Nazareth was as truly and fully divine as he was human. Here are two mysteries for the price of one, the plurality of persons within the unity of God and the union of Godhead and manhood in the person of Jesus. It is here in the thing that happened at the first Christmas that the profoundest and most unfathomable depths of the Christian revelation lie. The word became flesh, John 1, 14. God became man. The divine son became a Jew. The almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, unable to do more than lie and stare and wriggle and make noises, needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk, taught to talk, excuse me, like any other child. And there was no illusion or deception in this. The babyhood of the son of God was a reality. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as this truth in the incarnation. This is the real stumbling block in Christianity. It is here that Jews, Muslims, Unitarians, Jehovah's Witnesses, and many of those who feel the difficulties concerning the virgin birth, the miracles, the atonement, and the resurrection have come to grief. It is from misbelief, or at least inadequate belief, about the incarnation that difficulties at other points in the gospel story usually spring. But once the incarnation is grasped as a reality, these other difficulties dissolve. If Jesus had been no more than a very remarkable godly man, the difficulties in believing what the New Testament tells us about his life and work would be truly mountainous. But if Jesus was the same person as the eternal word, the father's agent in creation, quote, through whom all things he made into the worlds, it is no wonder if fresh acts of creative power marked his coming into this world and his life in it and his exit from it. It is not strange that he, the author of life, should rise from the dead. If he was truly the God, of, uh, God the Son, it is much more startling that he should die, that he should rise again. Tis mystery all, the immortal dies, wrote Wesley. But there is no comparable mystery in the immortal's resurrection. And if the immortal Son of God did really submit to taste death, it is not strange that such a death should have saving significance for a doomed race. Once we grant that Jesus was divine, it becomes unreasonable to find difficulty in any of this if it is all at peace and hangs together completely. The incarnation is in itself an unfathomable mystery, but it makes sense of everything else that the New Testament contains. So this is a, uh, an excerpt from the best-selling book, Knowing God by G.I. Packer. So thanks for Nick for uh, pointing out last week that I forgot to mention the title and the author of the book that I was reading. Um, so this is the second book uh, from G.I. Packer that I'm giving away. Um, as I've mentioned already, G.I. Packer is a famous Anglican uh, evangelical who passed away uh, to be with the Lord um, earlier this year. So why am I reading G.I. Packer and specifically talking about this book? Um, so one of the things that I spoke about last week um, is I, I made an argument that each one of you uh, knows something about the gospel. And uh, it's, uh, it's often not so much that we don't know about the gospel to share it, but it's that we think we don't know enough about the gospel to share it. So um, the same can be, uh, the opposite of that can be true, right? Um, so we know enough about the gospel to share it, uh, but there is something to be said about learning more about God, uh, who is God and, and knowing more about him and, and uh, growing in the knowledge of the Lord. Um, so anyway, that's why I'm reading this book. Um, so I thought I had an extra copy of it uh, until last night. I was looking through it and I realized that I was actually writing in this book. Um, so I'm going to give this book away, but I'll bring a copy of it next week. So whoever raises their hand are not going to walk away with it today, but next week. So who would want this book next week? 
Uh, I'll give it to you. Thank you. All right. So next week, there we go. Okay. Um, so warm welcome to you all. Uh, this is the third week of Fall Formation Offering entitled uh, Good News is for Sharing an Introduction to Evangelism. Um, so what I'd like to, da- to do today is I'd like to finish up the lecture we began uh, last week. So last week's lecture was entitled Six Hindrances to Evangelism and How We Can Overcome Them Through the Gospel. Um, so similar to last week, last week, uh, what I'd like to do is uh, um, we'll, we'll finish that lecture. But before we do, we do that, uh, we'll go ahead and review what we talked about last week um, and then we'll pray uh, similar to to what we did. Um, so last week we discussed uh, five hindrances to evangelism um, and how we can overcome them through the gospel. Um, so, again, there's no trick questions here. I'm not, you know, not trying to fool you guys. Uh, so I'm just, we're just trying to get a discussion going and, and help us to remember what we talked about. So uh, who remembers one of these hindrances? Apathy was one. Yep. And how do we, we'll, we'll go through each one one by one. How do we overcome apathy? Does anybody remember what we, what we said? Or even your own thoughts? You don't care, Michael says. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we combat apathy by, um, by looking to the gospel. So it's, uh, it's, no, it's kind of a Sunday school answer, but, uh, but it's true. Um, so we, we redirect our affections to God. We look at the, Christ, at the cross, excuse me, uh, and we, uh, we consider what Christ accomplished for us, and we, we, uh, we praise God that he was not apathetic towards us. Amen. Yeah, yeah, it could be. And, and the, the main point that I wanted to highlight here, and I briefly mentioned this already when I was talking about uh, G.I. Packer's book, um, is that you guys already know the gospel. Uh, if you can say something about, about God, man, Christ's response, um, however imperfectly, um, you, can, you can share something about um, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Two more. Or three more. Three more. That's the one we're going to be talking about today. Yep. I did mention it last week, though. Thank you. Yeah. So we'll be covering that today. That's the sixth hindrance. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's sin. That's right. Sin. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, it's our sin. Um, so uh, if you guys remember uh, what I said about that, so the gospel is not about us. Uh, when we look at Romans chapter 7, we consider uh, what we're reading about, what Paul's saying in Romans 7, he's talking about his own sin. He's talking about his struggle with sin. And um, if the Apostle Paul certainly struggled with sin, of course we do too. Um, I wanted to, to mention a, a verse that I, I really, um, I love this verse and I've committed to, to memory and I commend it to you guys. Um, but it's First Timothy chapter 1, I forgot the verse. Um, but the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. So this is what uh, the Apostle Paul said. So he's pointing to Christ and, uh, and in so doing, he, um, when he's speaking of himself, he's talking of himself as being the, the foremost sinner. So, um, so when, we, when we share the gospel with others, um, again, the spotlight is not on us, but it's on, it's, it's on Christ. Two more. Uh huh. Yep. So, um, yeah, oppressive governments and persecution. So, obviously, this isn't one that we struggle with, uh, particularly here in the United States, uh, but it certainly is a, a, a hindrance to evangelism. And um, we talked about Jesus' words that a servant is not greater than his master, that if they persecuted him, um, that we'll also be persecuted on account of his name. Uh, so what can we do uh, in light of that? Well, first, we pray for the persecuted church around us, of course. Um, so throughout the world, uh, what, what we have here in the United States is not normal. 
Um, so we have a, a distinct blessing to be able to share our faith openly and not have to worry about being thrown in jail, um, being, uh, being shunned, shunned by family members or, or being killed. Um, uh, was, Ewan was actually telling me a story yesterday of a um, Muslim convert who, um, uh, who became a Christian. And, and this was in the UK, right? United Kingdom? Uh, yeah, they were in Iran or Iraq. Okay. And then she became a Christian and then so much. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So this, um, this couple came to faith in Christ and, um, they fled their country out of fear for, for, um, for their own family killing them. So, um, amen. So yeah, we, let's pray for the persecuted church. Um, the fifth hindrance to evangelism. What's that? The power of darkness. Yes. Yeah, Satan, power of darkness, spiritual forces of evil. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we're not ignorant of uh, Satan's devices. Uh, we know that the, um, the the adversary, the devil, prowls around us looking for someone to devour. Uh, but uh, but we praise God that He who is in us is greater than He who is in the world. Um, and we arm ourselves with prayer and with the power of the gospel. And when we look to the gospel, we see that uh, Satan uh, and his power was crushed. So. Um, so that isn't, um, so we look, we look to the gospel, we look to Christ. Okay, well, um, I'm in. Um, I hope these uh, truths are encouraging to you all, um, assuming that, you know, this isn't necessarily anything revolutionary. This, these are things that you guys already know. Um, but, um, but anyway, it's good to, to think about these things and, uh, and to remember um, that, uh, that he is for us. So, amen. Um, any questions, comments about last week's lecture, anything that was mentioned last week or anything that we want to go forward with talk about right now um so now what i'd like to do is i'd like to invite uh ewan to come up um so ewan and i were having a conversation yesterday and he was uh sharing me of how he was able to share the gospel with the co-worker of his where did i put that microphone at? i put it away oh okay it's like i thought i put okay. it here okay thanks Nick. so yeah um ewan come on up uh, let's wait for the microphone but i asked him to uh to share uh, about a minute or so uh his experience with us Thanks, can everyone hear me? Is this thing on? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I was uh, saying to George that because we were talking about, uh, you know, the fear of man in, you know, when we want to share the gospel and, you know, at work, uh, I don't know how much I'm allowed to say. Um, and there's always a fear. Uh, and I experienced this over the, you know, the last few years that, you know, if I said uh, too much about my faith in Christ, then that might affect my career. Um, it might turn people against me. And, um, yeah, it just might be detrimental to me and my family. But that's the fear of man, and which we're going to talk about today. Um, and I just wanted to share that, well, George asked me to, to uh, share about a few, a uh, couple of weeks ago when... Uh, somebody at work it was like one o'clock in the morning and thankfully there were no more uh, dying animals coming in and uh, he we had a few minutes to talk and he asked me you know he, he said something about you know uh, rugby players and uh, their you know the back in the old days you know chasing women and drinking and stuff and um, I think I said something about you know, but that, you know, that all changed. And he said, he, he asked me, you know, about um, my beliefs. 
and uh, said, uh, well, I don't know if we're about allowed to talk about that at work. And he was like, I don't care. Uh, so, so I told him, and I, you know, I try, I, when I try and tell people about that, I try and tell them my testimony. And uh, so just briefly, it kind of hits on the highlights, you know, about the fact that I, I began to be scared of uh, dying and facing God. Um, so that was, you know, talking about God. Um, and then talking about my struggles with sin, I knew that I was uh, leading a life that was deliberately against God. Um, with sexual sin and uh, drunkenness and uh, chasing popularity and, um, you know, money and success. So secondly, sin. Um, and then trying to find, uh, you know, how to change and going to churches and until I, I heard the gospel, uh, finally, and I'd heard the gospel all my life, uh, but finally it clicked. And uh, I, I said to my friend Gary, uh, you know, I heard the guy said, you need to believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he came to earth to die for your sins. But you need to believe that with all your heart and ask him into your heart to be the Lord of your life. And I explained to Gary that when I heard that, I realized that I believe Jesus had died for sinners, but he wasn't the Lord of my life. I wasn't gonna follow him, um, you know, with all my heart. And, and I realized that, you know, I, if Jesus really had died for me, then how much did I owe him? I owed him my whole life, and I still do. And I explained to Gary that uh, I went home and I asked Jesus to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to, to make me born again. I didn't even know what it meant, but um, to do that, and I, I, I pleaded with Christ to change me. And I spoke to him about, um, I explained to Gary about the the. The, like the choke chain, you know, that a dog that you hold a, the crazy dogs on and it gets tighter, you know, the more they struggle against the chain, the tighter it gets until, they're, you know, they're still struggling and their eyes are popping out. <laughs> and then that gives me more work. Um, but, you know, I spoke to him about that and that's how I felt like I was on this chain and the harder I fought against sin, the more I found I was giving in to temptations until uh, I cried out to Christ and he had broken the chain and I felt the, the power of temptation and sin had been broken and I knew it, had, I knew it must have been Christ. And, um, and uh, so, you know, that made me the happiest man alive. And so I believe with all my heart that, that all the Bible is true and that Christ is real and he's alive. And when I, you know, when you explain these things and you share your testimony with people, sometimes you're scared of, you know, how they'll respond and, uh, you know, they might uh, be interested or not be interested or reject you or turn against you. But at the end of the night, Gary said, thanks, man. Good talk. So I was just encouraged 
by that and his response. So, yeah. Thanks, man. For sharing that with us, and um, thank you so much for for taking uh, taking advantage of that gospel opportunity when when the Lord gave it to you. Um, so yeah, so thank you. Um, okay, so a couple weeks ago, um, I asked everybody to have three people to uh, to to be thinking about because we're going to pray for them. So we're going to go ahead and do that now. So just like last week, I'm assuming everybody that was that's here today was here last week, right? Is there anybody here that wasn't here last week? Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to, um, minding social distancing and all that, you just rotate your chairs around. Um, you guys can go ahead and start doing that now, and we're going to take about five minutes. We're going to pray uh, for three people in our lives uh, that we want to um, uh, uh, share the gospel with or continue to share the gospel with. Um, and in particular, if we can also pray for, uh, you, and his, you said his name was Gary, is that right? Okay, so let's also pray for Gary as well. All right. Let's go ahead and pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the mercy that you have shown to us in Christ. Um, Lord, we thank you that when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, uh, Lord, you have made us alive together in Christ. And Lord, we thank you that um, even though we were enemies of God, um, Lord, you uh, had mercy upon us and now you call us your sons and your daughters. Uh, and Lord, we thank you that because you are merciful and kind, uh, Lord, uh, we are your legitimate heirs in Christ and we look to you not with fear, uh, but with inexpressible joy and gladness. Lord, we confess to you that we are slow to remember these things at times. Um, Lord, we confess that we are so engulfed with the petty details of our lives. Um, Lord, that we forget how amazing and loving you are to us. Um, so, Lord, we pray that you would kindle our hearts for you. And we pray that you would set our affections upon you. Um, Lord, I pray that you would be the greatest joy and love in our lives. Lord, we thank you so much for Grace Anglican. Lord, we pray that uh, you would help us to be a great witness uh, to your glory here in Louisville. Lord, we pray that um, that you would help us to uh, to be sensitive to gospel opportunities um, throughout our lives and, uh, and also in particular with these three people that each of us um, are praying for. Um, so Lord, give us a heart of compassion. Help us, Lord, to see others um, as you see them. Um, we pray particularly for you and co-worker this morning. Lord, we pray that you would send forth your Holy Spirit, that you convict him of sin, and we pray that you would remind him even now of the gospel um, as, uh, as Ewan was, was sharing with him. And we pray for our time together this morning. We pray that you would be with us. Um, I pray that it would be helpful. I pray, Father, that uh, um, you would help us not to, to fear man, uh, but that we would fear you. And, uh, and in so doing, that you would embolden us through the power of your Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, we pray that, uh, that anything that, that I say uh, that would not be helpful, and pray that that would... Uh, be erased uh, from our uh, from our memories, and we pray again that you would equip us uh, through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, <clears throat> so as I mentioned earlier, uh, let's go ahead and wrap up uh, what we were talking about last week. So um, we mentioned already five uh, hindrances to evangelism, so now we're going to focus the rest of our time um, on the sixth hindrance to evangelism. And, um, and the sixth hindrance, Sixth hindrance, excuse me, uh, is the, the thing that we most fear, the thing that we, I think, all resonate with the most, uh, and that's going to be the fear of man. Can I have some of that water? Honey? Is, that, is that okay? Okay, thank you. Um, so we know we're supposed to evangelize, um, so it's not about ignorance. Um, we know about the gospel, and we know enough to share it with others, so it's not that we don't know what we're supposed to say. Uh, we live in the United States of America, for goodness sakes, so it's not that we're worried about being thrown in jail for sharing the gospel. 
Um, so what is it that prevents us from sharing the gospel? What is it that causes us to seize up, to shut our lips, and to not speak the words of eternal life to a lost and dying world? Uh, well, 99% of the time, um, the answer, as you already know, is that we fear others. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we would be embarrassed to admit how many gospel opportunities uh, we've all wasted because instead of sharing the words of eternal life, we were afraid of what someone else might think of us. Uh, we were afraid of what someone might say about us. Uh, we were afraid that sharing the gospel would strain a relationship. We were afraid of what a bystander might think of us. Um, they might think that we're weird or something. Uh, we were afraid we might be socially shunned uh, for being one of those weird Christians. Uh, to some degree or another, uh, we all have a fear of man. And however this fear might manifest in itself, um, it's hindering us from stepping out in faith and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ um, to someone who is lost in their sins. The lie that your reputation is more important than someone else's soul is just that. It's a lie. Uh, that person's soul is more important than your reputation. The lie that your comfort is more important than that person's soul is, again, just that. It's a lie. Uh, that person's soul is more important than your comfort. Um, so, so far, we're agreed on two things. We're agreed that all of us, to some degree or another, are afraid of man. Um, and second, we're, we're, we're agreed that, uh, to some degree or another, this fear hinders us from sharing the gospel. So the question is, uh, how do we combat this fear? Uh, what does the Bible have to say about the fear of others? Um, so what I'd like to do is, uh, so again, we had the six hindrances to evangelism, so we're going to focus all of our time on this sixth one, uh, the fear of man. I'm going to um, give you guys four um, biblical truths to remind us uh, to reorient our hearts um, and to not live in the shackles of fear, uh, but in the freedom of the Holy Spirit and to be bold in our evangelism. So uh, number one, Christian, uh, remind yourself of the fear of God. So Proverbs chapter nine, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, and I would argue that the primary means by which we combat the fear of man um, is to replace it with the fear of the Lord. So what do I mean by this? Um, should we replace one dread for another? No. Um, let's step back a little bit and let's consider what the fear of the Lord is. So there are two different types of fear of fears of the Lord. Um, one fear of the Lord is that of reverence, worship and awe. Uh, the other fear of the Lord is that of dread, woe, and condemnation. Um, one is said of Christians, the other is said of non-Christians. Um, so without Christ, we can only look to God with fear, woe, and condemnation uh, because we, uh, we view God as a, as a holy God who will punish all sin. These, this is true. Um, in our trespasses and sins, we feel the weightiness of God's holy gaze when we compare our sins to his piercing and all-seeing sight. Um, so we can look at uh, Genesis chapter 3, um, when Adam faced uh, w with his sin and the presence of God, uh, he ran away from fear uh, and he tried to hide himself from God. Um, Isaiah, in his vision of God, cries out, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Uh, Peter in Luke chapter 5 says, depart from me, O Lord, for I am a man, a sinful man, excuse me. And looking at our own colleague of purity, uh, without Christ, the words unto you, all hearts are open, all desires known and from you, no secrets are hid. These words are dreadful to us, again, apart from Christ, uh, because we know that all that is within us is sin and death. Um, yet this can't be said of the Christian's fear of God, um, since God is our merciful and loving father. 
Um, Again, the Christian's fear of the Lord is that of reverence, worship, and awe. Uh, When we turn to repentance and faith in Christ, we can no longer have this fear of condemnation uh, because we look to Christ who saved us from our sins and brought us into adoption um, as God's sons. Um, Thus, as Christians, our fear of condemnation and dread transforms into a fear of reverence, worship, and awe. Uh, The sin that once created an eternal chasm between us and God has been done away with. Um, It's been forgiven. Uh, David says, says in Psalm 103, God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Why? For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Um, So, brother or sister, because of Christ, because of the gospel, God has taken all of your sins and thrown them into the heart of the sea. They're gone. Consider the great sacrifice price and length God has taken to accomplish your salvation. Um, God, the father, has given up his son and executed his justice and wrath of sin on his own son instead of you. Jesus lived the perfect life of obedience, and he took the full weight of God's fury upon himself. Um, And now, as a token of God's love for you, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you uh, to comfort you and give you peace. So what does all this have to do with the fear of man? Uh, Well, we fear man when we wrongly place our fear on the mortal instead of the immortal. We fear man when we fail to forget that we are to fear God. So he is the one from whom our approval must come. Um, so when we elevate man's opinion of, our, of ourselves higher than that of God, um, our fears become misaligned. And we, again, fail to put uh, the immortal, holy, and awesome one in perspective. Um, if our hearts are properly aligned with the fear of the Lord, uh, when we look to Christ and see God with, repent, with reverence, worship, and awe, uh, we can't help but put the, put the fear of man in perspective. So with our great salvation in mind and worshiping God with reverence and awe, the fear of man becomes small and trivial. Uh, Like the psalmist, uh, we can confidently say, um, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? So Christian, what can man do to you? Uh, Number two, Christian, remember that your identity is in Christ. So if you're a Christian, the crucifixion is not just about Christ, it's also about you. Uh, Because you too, Christian, have died. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Romans chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So again, we have been crucified with him. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, but far be it for me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So again, we have been crucified with Christ and the world has been crucified to us. Uh, So when we look to the cross of Christ, uh, we see not only Christ's death for our sins, but also our own selves uh, dying to our sin. Uh, When we look at the cross, we see our love affair with the world is nailed. It's dead. So again, brother, you have died. Your life is hidden away in Christ. Uh, Because you have died in Christ, your identity is in him. You're dead to sin. You no longer have to fear. And you can deny yourself and whatever fears you have about others, take up your cross and follow him. So, again, tying it back to the context of evangelism, you don't have to fear, man. Why? Because you've died. Um, It's Christ through his Holy Spirit who's dwelling in you. 
Um, this radical change in your identity means that your desires and ambitions in life are controlled by God. Um, so yes, we all have unique identities, uh, but it's equally true that you are in Christ. Therefore, since you've died and Christ lives in you, uh, let him live and work through you. Don't let the fear of man hinder you from living the Christ-exalting life that God is calling you to live. Uh, number three, Christian, remember how long your eternal life is. So let me back up a little bit. Um, the first thing that I said, point number one, is Christian, remind yourself of the fear of God. So it's a reorienting of fears. Is everybody, is everybody tracking with me? Does that make sense? Any questions on that? Okay. Some of you look a little tired, so I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Um, second, uh, remember that your identity is in Christ. So we, we don't fear others because um, we look to Christ and we look to the crucifixion and we see that we have died uh, to ourselves and we've died to this world. Um, and as we go about our lives, uh, we let Christ, through the power of his Holy Spirit, work in us and, uh, and do this ministry uh, of evangelism. Okay, so number three, uh, Christian, remember how long your eternal life is. Um, so we all, Christians and non-Christians alike, uh, will live for all eternity. Um, so we will either live in or away from his presence forever. Um, consider then the small scope of time that God has given us to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. Um, in the grand scheme of eternity, we only have one lifetime to share the gospel with as many people as we can. Um, so this isn't to discourage you guys. Um, of course, we're not God. We can't save everybody. Uh, that, that We can't save anybody. Um, but what we can do is you can open your lips and share the words of eternal life. Again, as I mentioned, I think this was last week or maybe it was the first week. Um, God isn't calling you to do something you're not already capable of doing. Um, God has put each of you in a specific place, in a specific time, in a specific job, specific vocation that none of us are able to have the same identical thing. And, uh, and he's not asking you to do anything that you're not able to do already. So why should you let the fear of man, uh, which again is unfounded and only lasts a few moments, uh, hinder you from sharing the gospel? Why should we be temporarily scared of those very people who we're trying to help for all eternity? Um, Christian, consider the influence that God has given you as a commissioned ambassador of his gospel. Um, so Lord willing, um, if you're sharing the gospel with others, uh, some of those people might come to faith in Christ through you. And for those people who you share the gospel with, and if they become Christians, um, these people are going to be giving eternal thanksgiving to God for you because you share the gospel with them. Um, so don't let the fear of others stop you from sharing your faith. Uh, don't say no for them. Uh, remember that if they reject you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting your father who's in heaven. It doesn't come as a surprise to us. Uh, again, consider eternity because that's what's at stake. Uh, finally, number four, Christian, remember how short your life is. So number three was remember how long eternal life is. Uh, but number four is remember how short your life is. Uh, Psalm 90, verse 12, teach us to number our ways that we may get a heart of wisdom. O Lord, make us know my end 
Uh, make me know my end, excuse me, and what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. My lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 14. What is your life? For you are a mist that, va- that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Um, so it's almost a little silly to be talking to you guys about how short our lives are within the context of you know, COVID-19 going on. Um, So each of us have come uh, to some degree or another to the realization of how short our lives are during this time. Um, So the the point that I'm reminding you of, uh, again, isn't meant to depress you, um, simply to remind you. Um, So just as quickly as your life will perish, so too will man's opinion of you. Uh, When we stop to consider the brevity of our lives uh, and appreciate the few moments that we have here on earth to be ambassadors for Christ, um, the fear of man truly becomes insignificant and trivial. The imprint we live, we leave here in this world, uh, you guys know this, it's not material things. Uh, it's not the things that we leave behind. Uh, it's not necessarily even the things that we create um, or even those we've influenced in our business, uh, but rather it's the souls that we've reached for Christ. So making use of whatever, whatever little time you have here on earth, live it to the glory of God. Live it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Reach souls for Christ. Uh, If you truly believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, of Jesus Christ, um, his only son, our Lord, the Holy Spirit, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting, there's no need to be afraid of what others might think of you. So, again, at the end of the day, what can man do to you? Okay. well, unless anybody has anything else that they want to share or comment on, let's go ahead and pray. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the time that we were able to spend together. Um, Lord, we pray that, uh, that you would be with us as we go out um, throughout our weeks. Um, Lord, we pray that you would, again, help us to be sensitive to gospel opportunities. Um, help us, Lord, to be bold in our evangelism. Help us, Lord, to, to go out in faith, uh, trusting not in our power, but in your power. And um, Lord, we pray that you would help us not to be fearful of man and of their opinions of us, uh, because ultimately we know that, um, Lord, we already have all the affirmation that we need in Christ. Um, Lord, that you have saved us, that you have redeemed us. And um, as Nick just reminded us that uh, when you look at us, uh, you see not, uh, not our sinful selves, but you see the righteousness, the very righteousness of Christ. Um, Lord, we thank you for this good news. Thank you for this gospel. Thank you for this sweet church. Um, Lord, we, again, we pray that you would help us to be a witness for you uh, here in Louisville and to the ends of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.